Okay, hi everybody. I am here with one of my closest friends from college, uh, mentor, uh, sorority sister, Vanessa Fortaleza Jimenez. She has moved to Grand Rapids after I subliminally convinced her. <laughs> Just added that little message for years. <laughs> like, Grand Rapids! <laughs> Grand Rapids! Um, she moved over here, um, and now she is working with the Latina Network of West Michigan and a whole bunch of other stuff, and I've asked her, and I've asked her, and I've asked her to come and help me record this very um, special, I guess you could say, podcast um, and video about me and who I am and why I decided to record these Mental Monday episodes and what, why mental health is important to me. Welcome, Vanessa. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, after so many, kind of like, we just kept missing each other. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here um, and talk with you because you have, um, even though, you know, I'm older than you and you say that I've mentored you um, in the mental health space, you have helped me to um, nurture my own mental health. And so I'm really honored to get the chance to kind of hear your story. Um, because you have been kind of the inspiration for, for me as I go through my mental health journey. So I think this is awesome what you're doing and just having a platform for people to have these conversations. And so um, you do so much for other people that I really am excited to have this time um, t- with you to kind of learn about where this all has manifested from and, and your journey as well in this space. Yes, so. And I, I will be honest, I'd much rather be behind the curtain or behind the camera <laughs> and um, not uh, talk about it at all. And I'm glad we have some tissues over there because I'm already getting like, that's not true, um, getting um, choked up about it. But yeah, let's... Um, yeah. Let's begin. So, yeah, so we've known each other since, what, 2006, Two, 2007? 2007, yeah. So tell me a little bit about your your journey mm-hmm. and kind of where, where you started with your mental health journey from back when you kind of first realized something is not sitting right with me. Right. Well, I um, I went into, I was accepted to Western, so I graduated from Godwin 2007, Um. And I was accepted at a couple schools, and I just, once I went into Western, I was like, this is it. This is um, perfect. It was far enough from home where I could come home, but I also had to stay the night over there. I didn't have to live at the house. And I, and I was so excited, and I was doing all kinds of things. I think you can remember, like, I was mm-hmm. um, joining all the clubs, and I was interested in the sorority, and I was so excited, and the classes, and I was doing really well. And I remember at one point, um, towards the, uh, it must have been December-ish, towards towards the end of the year or the beginning of the next year, um, it was like Relay for Life. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I had, there was a moment um, within our family and everything that just kind of like turned a light on for me, and I, I crashed. So from there um, was kind of, I would say, the first time I, the first time I, looking back, it would have been the first um, time I've had noticed a switch in my mania. So it was, I'm doing a lot of great stuff, I'm so excited, and then there was a clear, like, almost like a slowing down and increasingly lower and lower and lower mood. Mm-hmm. Um, that night, I was, I got really, really depressed, and um, I tried to commit suicide that night. I was with my, at the time, boyfriend. Um, very sweet, he stayed with me. Um, I didn't have the... Thank goodness I didn't have the correct amount or medication or anything that could actually do anything more than just make me sick for, I think, a couple hours after 
after that. But after that, it just became um, increasingly more difficult to keep up with the activities that I loved. Mm -hmm. So I remember going to class and being like, this is great. Like, I thought my brain was exploding. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is great. I'm listening to everything, taking all the notes with all the notebooks and the tabs and the highlighters. (laughs) And then it just became, I can't. I can't wake up. I'm increasingly tired. Mm. And we're talking tired like you've worked, you know, like the whole day. And, you know, you just can't, you just can't wake up. Um, and it just became increasingly, increasingly worse. And I would have a little bit of burst of energy here and there where I could kind of maintain. And I maintained for a couple semesters. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it just came to a point where um, I remember boarding. At the time, I had moved out of the dorms that last semester and was taking the bus to school and I remember being on the bus and I just I couldn't even make it into the class Mm. it was just too overwhelming it was a lot of people Um, I think I just walked towards class and then I switched directions and I waited um, to get picked up at the um, counseling office Mm. and it just kind of continued until there until um, I had to come home I was picked up at the emergency room by my grandmother which Mm. if anybody else is um, familiar with how, um, I guess, what do they call it, like an emergency plan or something like that. So when you're, at a, when you're with a therapist, you usually build a plan about, a, a plan of action. Um, and so my plan of action was if I ended up at the emergency room again, um, they were going to call my grandmother at the time. Well, she's still my grandmother. Yeah. My grandmother, they were going to call her, and I was going to get picked up, and it was time for me to go home and work on, you know, um, what was happening on bettering myself yeah Yeah. on bettering myself and that was definitely a very um like looking back on it it was a very heavy decision I had to make um I I love going to school and college and just learning but I just wasn't um able to be there and keep myself safe do you think that this so you know with mental health everything you know everybody has kind of a different journey do you Mm -hmm. think that for you the you know your mental health kind of the the point of um, where it overflew do you think that your environmental change kind of um, triggered that or you know that it kind of it 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 kind of made it visible because of that environmental change and and being in a different right environment having all these different things like if you look at your life before that point and to that point what was the the switch for you I think what happened was um because I was in this new environment that I had the freedom, I had freedom to release, mm. everything released. Um, where back at home, there was a constant, like, let's go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody has to be, you know, look happy, look together. We got to keep moving. Um, you know, my family's always been involved in the community, so there was always something we were doing. And as kids, you, you just go, and it was great. And I loved being part of the community doing everything that I did Mm -hmm. but I think once I was in college and there wasn't that kind of like heavy not heavy but like that system of masking what was happening Mm -hmm. and that was removed everything just kind of was like okay well we're crashing now because because the foundation was not built correctly Mm -hmm. everything kind of crashed down on me and I was like oh well wow this um not manageable anymore so it's um you know I ask you that because I think in in college too right that's when my mental health like mm-hmm. I was able to identify it mm-hmm. because I didn't have the stigma yeah. from being at home yeah. and 
the constant masking our feelings mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I think college or new environments really yeah. brings that to fruition. And so that can be a challenge at first. But now looking back at that time mm-hmm. in 2007, 2008, when you had this, you yeah. know, when you had this um, mental health journey really come to fruition and be like, wow, there is something that is that I need to yeah. address. Looking back at that time to kind of where you've progressed mm-hmm. now, um, would you say that that was a critical point in in now coming to this kind of you know circle full circle where now you're able to talk about your mental health yeah. and identify and use words and language yeah. to really have that journey? So from you know looking at that to now, um, how did that environment change mm-hmm. and change an environment really um, help you to escalate that journey? Um, I think. The, 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 the primary point was that I was seeing differences in other people's lives and how they were and how they interacted with the people close to the, with all of their circles. So, like, their personal, their immediate, you know, all of the circles outside of them and starting to see the differences, the good and the bad differences, and being like, oh, like, things are, my home is not, um, my home and how I think and how I do it's, um, it's not the only way. It's almost like you're lifting a curtain, right? Especially coming from um, a Mexican family. Like, we were very close. Our world was just us. Mm-hmm. And so you don't see anything outside. Everything that happens in the house is normal. Everything yeah. is normal. How we deal with everything, that's normal. But once you step out into that environment, you're like, <gasps> like, oh, there's other ways of doing things. Right. And people are living differently. And people are interacting differently. People's families react to them differently. People react differently to emotions. People have emotions. That was a thing. Um, And then uh, along with the education came uh, the vocabulary to communicate that, Mm -hmm. um, what was the differences and what was happening. So you talk about, you know, kind of the familial being in that circle, a tight-knit circle, and then you talk about kind of seeing, like, a whole new world of, Mm -hmm. oh, there's options, there's, Mm -hmm. it's okay to express your emotions. Very similar to my own journey, and Mm -hmm. As I, as I think back to our time together in college and when we as a, as a sorority, you know, our mm-hmm. chapter and, and our sisters realized that you needed additional help and stuff, you know, it, it pains me sometimes because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, we didn't yeah. give you that. But at the same time, we didn't, we didn't know, right? right. We didn't, right. and especially coming from a lot of our backgrounds, right, of Latino mm-hmm. parents or, mm-hmm. you know, cultural, the cultural relevance yeah. of how we deal with mental health, um, you know, I think about, gosh, I wish that we could have been a better support right. to you. But, you know, kind of thinking yeah. through that, having those different support systems or maybe mm-hmm. lack of support or people that didn't know how to support you in right. those different... How did you find or curate your, your support team from thinking about the people that maybe should have been there to support you, right. um, the people that were there to support you, and right. how that support has transcended to this time in your life? So talk about kind of your support systems and navigating that. The first thing I thought was don't tell my family like don't worry them and not in like I want to keep secret but like don't worry them don't tell them everything is okay you know um I was I'm the oldest out of uh, the three of us on my mom's side so um it was like you know you're the big sister you you're you've made it I've graduated high school I got into a pretty good college that I loved I was in a good environment don't say that something is wrong um which I think was the a main flaw in that and, and sometimes 
it's not safe to tell your family that mm-hmm. something is wrong. And and having just recently joined that sorority, you kind of come in. And when you join any group or have any friends, you have this immediate of like, you know, we're best friends forever. And, but the truth is, is that that has to build. And um, now, you know, we have, uh, we have had the talks about um, the people that I thought at that moment should have understood. Mm-hmm. And I was... And they, they didn't and they couldn't. Um, I was definitely upset and hurt and kind of confused because in my head is like, I'm telling everybody what's happening and nobody was reacting how I thought they should react, which in my case, it's very like, there's a problem, we're going to fix it. There's a problem, we're going to fix it. Um, there were reactions from like, oh no, something's wrong, we're going to shield you, we're going to protect you. Or like, you know, something's wrong, but just keep going, or I just don't understand why this is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I get tired too, or I'm sad too. Um, there was all kinds of levels of reactions, none of which I really thought was, none of them, none of which I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was definitely a point of like, I'm telling everybody, and I'm not getting the, the, the reciprocating um, information or contact or whatever back mm-hmm. from all levels. So from the school, from my family, mm-hmm. from uh, my friends, from my sisters, from even from my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was, you're definitely drowning confusion for a little bit, which doesn't help the, you know, the this, downward yeah. spiral. Um, but slowly, I think it came to, I came to a point where it's like, I just have to ask what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to ask and keep asking. And with the school, it was a lot of asking and a lot of digging. And I ended up reaching the... Um, ombudsman office in a little corner of campus um literally literally (laughs) the tiniest corner (laughs) hidden under a hill (laughs) under a rock um it's the ombudsman office that um they kind of um, advocate for you and so why didn't I find this why didn't somebody tell me like the first day I went to the counselor office that should have been a thing you're gonna come here then you're gonna go to the ombudsman office and then that's going to be a thing. Um, did you, so you went, did you go to the ombudsman office to help you with like your schoolwork mm-hmm. and trying to figure out? Yes. Um, so what happened situation? was I was going to the counselor and then I was calling, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm struggling. How, what, what can I do? What can I do? And I, I started with, um, I think I started with the teachers and then I started with the, then they sent me to an advisor and then another advisor and then another office and another office. And everybody had 1% of the answer. Nobody had oh, hey, mm-hmm. the rest of the answer is going to be at the ombudsman office and then at the um, student disability center, which you never think, if I'm depressed, I'm going to go to the student disability center, uh, which is kind of a heavy thing to realize that, okay, there is something that I need extra help with. I need to go there. And mm-hmm. they, you know, they give you a card, and it's not even a huge, it's not even a huge deal to the teachers. They just look at it. They're like, fine, you know, here's what we can do, here's how we can accommodate you, and you move on. Yeah. But to get to that point, it was almost six months. Mm. Um, and with that, you just lose all the coursework, everything. Yeah. You know yeah. You know how college is six months, is a semester. A semester, a yeah. A semester, yeah. And so you're talking, so as you're navigating your mental health um, experience and, and what that means to you, you're also navigating systems, right? Mm-hmm. And so... You know, I worked in, in healthcare and stuff for a while and seeing the systems of navigating mm-hmm. the mental health system as well as any health system, but really the mental health space. You had to go here to do something, you mm-hmm. had to go there, you had nobody had kind of a roadmap for you to say, Okay, these are the steps along the mm-hmm. way, this is how you get there. Mm-hmm. So in addition to trying to navigate your own thoughts right. and feelings and this these things that are happening that you can't explain, you also then have to 
you know, navigate this system mm-hmm. with very little um, paths and point, you know, kind of mm-hmm. a, a roadmap of how yeah. do you navigate the system. And so in that way, that advocacy for ourselves, mm-hmm. right, comes into place. And I know that's something that we talked about before we, we jumped on was how did you find your voice in that advocacy? Um, because I think that's really important. Again, from looking back there to now you are creating a platform where people have some, you know can start to mm-hmm. have some type of roadmap of how do you navigate right. this very difficult still taboo you mm-hmm. know out of the norm mm-hmm. especially in um, communities of color marginalized communities yeah. where we don't have access to these different resources how did mm-hmm. you come into kind of advocating for yourself whether it was with systems whether it was with family friends people to understand um, your journey and what you needed in that space mm-hmm. talk about that I think I think the initial part was just um, a little bit part of my personality where I just can't shut up. <laughs> I love, I just, I just want to talk and I want to ask questions. And when I arrived at the point in my life where um, what was the, what made me feel the most fulfilled and what was bringing me happiness, which was learning, when that started to bring me all these negative feelings, I was like, I don't want that. What can I do to stop that? I don't want to live my life and have have things that I want to do trigger these bad feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another part was just kind of out of, like, almost came out of anger. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't, um, I'm not asking for favors. I'm not asking, you know, I wasn't asking the school to, like, give me back my money or to, you know, I wasn't in school. I was paying out of pocket 100% for the school. I think I had a... Uh, 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 maybe like some small scholarships here and there, but everything was out of pocket from the school. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't asking this person or these groups of people to, you know, give me a charity. I was asking this system to work for me because I was paying for this very expensive yeah. program. Um, and they were just like, well, you know, figure it out. Or like, well, maybe this person can help you. And it was in, 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 even in my job, I'm like that. Just that's just not an efficient customer care experience mm-hmm. to have this huge company not be able to fully function and serve its customers, which is what we are. So I'm just kind of like, okay, I can't believe that you don't know. This is impossible that you don't know. Um, somebody else must know. Somebody else must know. And you just kind of go like that. A lot of it is, <laughs> I think, a lot of myself is fueled out of frustration. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you not know? How can there not be, like, it's there, I've seen it. Yeah. There has to be something there. Um, and you just dig and dig and you knock and you knock and you ask on ask a bunch of people and it's a lot of waiting. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's ungodly amounts of waiting. Um, and it's very um, frustrating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's a process. And so coming from that space of kind of very early on and when you noticed, okay, something is, you know, I have to address this, right? Um and navigating that space and so you kind of talk about your journey through your mental health um kind of I guess journey right from Mm -hmm. the that first initial was that the first time in college that you had counseling if so Mm -hmm. you know what was what was that diagnosis and how did it progress because I know you've kind of learned more about your mental health um and the diagnoses and things now to this point so tell me about the progression um you know, let's talk medication, let's talk right. types of um, mental health disorders that you have, that you've grown, kind of seen develop or that you've uncovered really, right, right um, in your journey. So, 
Well, I initially, uh, that initial chunk where I was not feeling well, my counselor at the time, I had a really good counselor at Western. Oh, excuse me. I, ooh, uh, I really thought that I wish I could go back <laughs> to have them. Mm -hmm. We thought I just had depression. And for the longest time, I thought I had depression. I was put on Lexapro to begin with. And when you start an antidepressant, sometimes they pair it with another medication, um, which for me was Clonopin because, as you, I'm sure a lot of us have heard on just commercials themselves, the initial um, month or months of adjustment can make your depression worse. So they give you another medicine to kind of balance you out, which means you're kind of dead to the world for a little bit because you're not down, you're not up, you're just kind of zombied out until the medicine starts to quote-unquote work. Um, then the Lexapro started giving me really bad migraines. It almost felt like all the lights were turned on in my head and I just couldn't, they just wouldn't turn off and mm -hmm. I would get these horrible migraines. So we switched to, um, I think it was Paxil for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and then by then, um, I remember um, it was towards the end of school. I think I might have even come back home by then. I went down and I took a trip down. Um, I took a trip down to Mexico City, so my hometown, um, where I was born. And I talked to my grandmother's very, very close friends. Mm -hmm. Um, they are both therapists. They're both uh, counselors um, in, in La Ciudad and uh, very good ones. And we talked for a long time, and I talked to my uncles, and I talked to my older brother down there, and I decided that I was going to get off the medication. I was home. I was going to get off the medication, and I was going to start figuring some stuff out. I, um, and I did. I came home, um, and I had kind of the freedom to slowly kind of work through things, at least I thought in my head. Um, by then we had bought Connie's. Um, so, so what was 10, the time period? Almost yeah. 10 years. It, was, it was 2007, and I think I must have been um, 2008, 2009, I was home. Mm -hmm. And then we bought the shop, um, and it was, I was able to work, but I was also had the comfort of having the family business where if I didn't feel good, if I couldn't function, I could stay home mm. or I could stay in the back or I could go to work in my pajamas, yeah. which I did quite a lot. I remember looking back like, oh my God, um, I was working in sweatpants, you know, and just on the computer, just trying to mm -hmm. figure things out, mm -hmm. go home and do nothing. Um, and then slowly I started to become a little more lucid and start to pick at things and say, okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to see what this is. I'm going to reach out. I was kind of in that bubble for a long time. I didn't reach out to anybody. I was very upset. I was hurt. Mm -hmm. I thought everybody was kind of like mad and disappointed that I had left. And slowly I started to like reach out and be like, hey, like I'm alive. Like what's up? And we had those conversations. Um, and then kind of time passed and passed and passed and passed and lots of stuff happened. And then there was like another moment in my life in 2018 where mm -hmm. we had a drastic change of life. Like mm -hmm. my whole life changed. Yeah. Um, unexpected to literally everybody around us. Yeah. Um, except for, you know, the one person. Mm -hmm. um, and as most of us do when things happen like that, we just went crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, my God, mm -hmm. fine you know, kind of like, fuck it, like, let's just see what's happening, um, and I was enjoying my new life, and we are in this new shop, um, 
and uh, at one point I realized I had a, a really close friend and um, partner at the time uh, go through some really heavy stuff. And I remember sitting there talking to him and telling him, <clears throat> and telling him, um, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it makes sense. I do that. I do that. That happens to me. And him just sitting there like, yeah, you're just like me. We have the same issue. And what ended up happening was he was bipolar. Um, I'm not quite sure what his exact diagnosis is. Um, but seeing that, and it was quite a shock to realize that I wasn't just depressed, but I was also bipolar, which means that what I was contributing, what I was attributing my happy moments to was mania. Mm. And so that was a heavy kind of realization to think that when I was feeling good and nothing was wrong, something was wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and if any of you guys are familiar with mania, you know, you have problems with um, uh, maintaining um, focus. You're doing lots of things all at once. You can have trouble um, with spending, you know, at the, at the very, you know, at the polar end, you have troubles with spending. Some people spend more than they have. You know, they are in debt. That that wasn't, thank goodness, my thing. But, you know, I was starting all these projects and calling everybody like, hey, I'm so excited. I have this project and that project and let's start everything. And I have a full house and a shop full of projects that I just started during my mania. And I could work all kinds of things. Um, so with bipolar, just to... to kind of share a little bit more right bipolar can you explain bipolar a little bit so you have really high highs mm -hmm. really low lows mm -hmm. can you yeah. give me a little bit more so with everything that has to do with mental health there's spectrums mm -hmm. and um bipolar there's different levels there's bipolar one there's bipolar two um and it's it, it's kind of defined by the severity of let's just call it the cycles or the um i call it like the the swoops you're up and you're down um, like a wave, you know, mm -hmm. um, and you will have, again, the, the down, the depressive episodes, which everybody can be familiar with what that is, and then you have the mania episodes, and I'm, I'm in between in that spectrum. Um, right now, we're on a bipolar 2 diagnosis, which means that my, my cycles um, match the length. Um, they're not too long, but they're also, for example, there's, uh, I forget the word with it, but there's a there's also um, some people experience the changes in their moods really quickly, consistently. So they'll be like really depressed and then they'll be really, really um, have a high energy. And that would mean picture like a toddler on like a bag of sweets. Um, you can tell in the difference of their how fast they're talking, what they're doing. Um, you know, it can go all the way up to hearing, um, hearing voices or... Um, having ideology, um, ideological um, expectations or views of yourself. And that's kind of, you know, there's a whole spectrum of that. Mm. Um, so me realizing that I was in that spectrum was definitely hard because that means that I have to not only take care of the downs, but manage what I'm doing when I'm feeling well. Yeah. Um, so that's been definitely an interesting thing. And it definitely meant that I had to go on medication again. Mm. Um, so that. what was the time period of you coming off the medication? starting your medi another medication or? oh um I would say what was it maybe 2008 2009 I stopped and I started taking medication fall of 2019 so a 10 year span it's a 10 year span uh -huh, of not being on medication um and then being really careful with my medication when I went and talked initially to my general 
um, doctor, just my general care physician, she prescribed me um, an antidepressant medication, um, which I was really hesitant to take. Mm -hmm. It was really weird dosage. I asked her to please give me a really low dose. Um, one, because you have to be really careful when you're adjusting, um, and I didn't have any other caregivers for my kids, so I needed to be start really slow. Yeah. I couldn't afford to be in bed for a month. Mm -hmm. um, and she ended up giving me a really high dose, and I got really nervous because also my main thing, my main thought when I become suicidal is medication. So I was telling her, you cannot give me too much medication right. because if this is going to trigger that, um, that's high risk. Like, I'm high risk. Um, so I didn't choose that. I ended up not going with that medication, and I waited until I found a therapist and a counselor team, a whole team. So it's a counselor, a psychiatrist, right, right? Yeah. and my uh, medical doctor. Um, all of them together agreeing on something, then I was like, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that medication. Um, and it definitely said, wow, there's, there's services here. Um, I was going to one place, and I did not like that counselor. I was almost offended every time I would go mm -hmm. see him. Um, and I ended up just calling and calling the insurance and calling the doctor. Like, you have to refer me somewhere else. You have to refer me somewhere else. I cannot go to this person. Mm -hmm. um, they're doing more damage than anything mm -hmm. and after a while it got switched to my new office mm -hmm. which is a thousand times better um and then we were able to start medication after that yeah. but it was it's a whole I mean it must have been like a, a year almost of like crying and I had been to that counselor before originally like maybe 2018 20 end of 2017 I had been to that first counselor before so I knew when they sent me to him I was like I don't want to be here he's right. um we just don't match. Um, it was definitely not a good match to yes. put it um, to put it very um, PC. So, so you even in your journey, you know, you had to find right the the right fit for mm -hmm. you in terms of care, your care team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, anybody that's been to therapy, you have to have a good match for therapy, mm -hmm. or else it's not going to work right. to your goals, what right. you need, your needs too. Um, and so kind of looking at that journey and now you've created a platform through that. Mm -hmm. um, and before we get to that, I want to go back and talk about, you talked about the time when you brought Connie's, you had the family business to mm -hmm. kind of um, be able to create a space where you could be flexible mm -hmm. in your mental health. Mm -hmm. That's not always the case for some people. Right. I know um, in 2018 I had my own suicidal ideations mm -hmm. and at that time I, had to, I decided I needed to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I could not, you know, do that. Um, I ended up going and doing contractual work and mm -hmm. that was really helpful for me because I could be flexible right. and right. times when I was having a really hard time, right. I could just not work just that not day. Yeah. Not everybody has yeah. that capacity, right? It's that capability. Yeah. It definitely is a privilege. But in this new environment, especially with the pandemic, especially what we're going through, mm -hmm. such um, emphasis now in this year of uh, mental health and self-care, mm -hmm. how have you seen that progression in spaces at workspaces where people can be more of their authentic self where you can create an atmosphere where if somebody's having needs a mental health day you can take a mental health day or how, you know how have you navigated and what do you see the evolution of the workplace because we're both you know small business owners mm -hmm. so we can create our own right right but how do we support those or what does that look like in the broader system when you talk about creating that space to talk about mental health and to, to care for mental health in the workplace? 
I think that if I'm being 100% honest that um, you know I've been super privileged to be able to create my own space and to have a support system that kind of lets me do whatever I whatever I want you know within reasonable limits um, and to be kind of empowered by the women in my family to do that and to speak up and to do whatever but I really think that right now we're just kind of like in the face of people are talking about it because it's this new shiny thing and companies are talking about it and people are saying yeah we're talking about it we're posting about it and it's this new shiny thing about mental health but I don't really there's just I don't think there's enough implementation of it actually happening and it's and from a business perspective it's not that simple if I have staff I can't just you know it 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 also can't just be like, oh, everybody's feeling sad because it's raining. We're going to close. Like, that also can't, you know, that's also the extreme. So I do understand the balance business owners or, you know, managers and, you know, bigger companies would have to kind of just, how do you vet that? Um, but I do think that we're just at the step where, like, it's just like this cool new thing everybody's talking about. We're going to get on trend, talking about mental health. But really, when you get down to it, everybody uh we're not taking mental health days like staff is not taking mental health days they're just plowing through it coming home on the weekends and just crashing mm -hmm. um from you know my friends and people that i observe that are having like you know regular jobs um they're just not taking mental health days they're just they're just struggling through it like always mm -hmm. they might be a little more vocal you know within some groups you know we might be a little more vocal um, I know definitely in my group from me talking out of every, you know, hasta los codos, you know, mm -hmm. my mom would say. Um, some of us are a little bit more comfortable in talking about our mental health. But I really don't see that actual, like the actual work actually moving through. Hmm. Whether it's in groups or in organizations or anything, I just don't see it working enough or being put in motion enough to to actually say like oh yeah it's benefiting or it's doing something like we're just slowly starting to be like oh this is happening these are things that are happening let's start to pick them apart and see how we can address it how do you see that um and it's different spaces right in places mm -hmm. and i've had the the on honor of really working in mental in a in an organization that that was really mm -hmm. important and so like adding mental health days to our work policy right, right? so creating policy that mm -hmm. would uh, give allow that space or an opportunity mm -hmm. to have those kind of conversations it was also we work you know in social work and so yeah. that's like a natural environment right. for that to happen like you said not yeah. everybody's moving yeah. to that space right what do you what can business owners what can organization companies um, do you know what do you see as as tangible steps to move towards that because you're right some I think now it's really elevated that oh mental health is a big thing right. and um, you know I think there is there's value to what you said in that space but then mm -hmm. my question is how do we move to a space where it's not just a buzzword but it's actual tangible things that that business owners that people can put in mm -hmm. place to get to that step of real real um, support you have to change the um, the root and core culture of your company and your work, um, starting from the top. Not starting from, you know, the you know the outside. You have to start from the owner, from the top. You have to change that culture inside out. There's just a a a a, a very um, 
stressful culture in a lot of organizations where it's just work, 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 and any kind of maybe complaint or uncomfortableness, um, it's just kind of like, okay, just put off to the side, and we just got to work, 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 work. Um, there's been quite, a, I remember talking to, when I was um, a couple years ago, you know, my friend girlfriends were still um, in school and they're taking waitressing jobs and all that stuff and they're bringing up issues that they're having at work um, and they're like but that's the norm like that's just ha it just happens that's mm -hmm. just what happens at work you're stressed at work you're being um, harassed at work or you're having a mental breakdown in the freezer five minutes that's just what happens yeah that's how it is um, that is a reflection of the culture of that company um, and it just it needs to change from the core out um, to really kind of emphasize it. And, and, and I think there's a fear in, um, in the companies, in the core, that if you're emphasizing on these kind of like softer, cuddly traits, that you're going to um, have an impact on productivity and profitability. But um, I think once we let go of that fear and see that we are handling um, people as more than just tools to make money, um, they will see that it's positively influencing their profit and their culture and like their overall mm -hmm. um, retainment um, everything right. people are going to want to work there and if you want to work there and be there you're going to attract whatever you need to attract whether it's customers whether it's people whatever mm -hmm. because the whole company as a whole is speaking out it's a value. It's, it's a, a value, value of that company. Exactly. It's something that they take serious. And I think yep. even when you look at, you know, not getting too much into it, but the research of emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and companies that value emotional intelligence mm -hmm. and incorporate emotional intelligence in their in their model and their values and what they believe and, and how they interact. Mm -hmm. um, it's like that, that we're, sh we, I do see a shift. There is a shift in business. And there's a show that when mm -hmm. you value and mm -hmm. you really uh, harness that emotional intelligence mm -hmm. aspect rather than, the IQ, right, and what comes to people right. with skills and all of that, mm -hmm. um, technical things, mm -hmm. that when you look at the the cognitive, you know, right. all of that cognitive stuff, that that does increase productivity. Right. It creates value within organizations and their, mm -hmm. the what the staff feels. So a lot of that is, like, how do we how do we shift that space? So you've created this platform, right, <laughs> Mental, Mental Mondays and having these conversations because of your own experience mm -hmm. and your personal journey. But what mm -hmm. do you hope to... What do you hope to bring to this space? You know, you are a curator, right? You yes. are a curator of a lot of different things. Yes. You have different businesses. Mm -hmm. You support people in the community. And this is a space that you've cre you've curated in the last uh, couple of years. And so what is your vision? What is your hope for this space, for people listening to your podcast, mm -hmm. um, following you on the face your Facebook group for this? Yeah. What What do you hope to create in that space? I hope to, I hope to create... Um, a sense of authenticity and owning that authenticity, whatever that is, um, and being vocal about what that is. Um, for example, as a company, you know, you can have the core culture um, be very, you know, um, let's say structural and serious, and but you, you know, you have to be vocal and honest about what is going to happen in there. Just as as a person, you should be. If I'm going to be this. You know, if I want to be this a bubbly person who wears, you know, my Disney shirts and all this stuff, like, I want to be honest. I don't want to have to hide that just because I'm a business owner, just because I'm, you know, in my 30s or in my 40s or whatever it is. Like, I just want to create a space where people are experiencing and listening to people in their authentic selves so that they themselves can feel empowered to vocalize and, and, and 
push through what that what it means to them to be their authentic. What does it mean for my business? Like, what do I really want my business to 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 be? You know, to 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 um. How do I want people to perceive my business? How do I want people to feel in my business? Like, you know, not not just copy it off of some you know copy paste Google form. Like, this is what we're gonna do. Um, this is what everybody does. Mm-hmm. I have a you know. I'm, I'm opening a hair salon and it's everything's going to be black and white and everybody's going to be wearing black, you know, things and we're all going to be serious and bougie and you know, don't look me in the eye um, when that's not really you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a huge part of what's burdening us as a society is that we're consistently trying to mold ourselves mm-hmm. to something, but mm-hmm. now is the great time to be like, hey, like, this is just me. This is just how it is. There's so many of us. There's more than enough for everybody that it's time for everybody to just be their authentic selves, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. Yeah. Like, I'm like, hey, we're taking a mental health day because, you know, we were really stressed out or whatever is happening. Like, that's okay as a company or, you know, as a company, we like to all go swimming, you know, once in the summer. Like, that's, that's an okay thing to do. That's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign of mm-hmm. whatever. Like, I just hope to be like, I'm to give that empowerment, that little boost, that little kind of like, oh, like, she's speaking about it so I can talk about it so I can push it through kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, creating a space for authenticity, yeah. vulnerability, and and really advocacy, right? Because somebody that hears something on your podcast or mm-hmm. uh, a resource that you share out mm-hmm. or something, that gives them another tool, like you said, a boost to then advocate in their space and cre- and curate a space for themselves or mm-hmm. um, be part of a community, right, mm-hmm. that you've created to do that. And so. there's, there's so many different communities. Um, I think in one of my other spaces, there's so many different communities. Um, it's just a matter of finding or creating the one that fits best. And as you're creating and, and speaking your truth, you're going to, um, other people are going to listen. And if their truth matches you, they're going to come and you know you're gonna build your own community from that, mm-hmm. um, and it's I think another important part of my podcast. If anything, um, in the minority community, there just needs to be we just need to be more exposed to talking about mental health, about everything, about the happy moments, about the ha- sad moments, about suicide, about depression, about bipolar, about abuse. Like all of that needs to be talked about so that as a community we can start digging ourselves out of this oppressive state that we are in. Because mm. clearly um, at the moment we are not being helped by the oppressors, so we need to start digging ourselves and continue to dig ourselves out of this space. Mm-hmm. And that just means exposing ourselves to knowledge, to vocabulary, to what's happening, you know, to exiting the bubble of our families and our communities and seeing, you know, how we can... Um, keep progressing and growing out of the space and you know you you went there so I'm gonna go there a little bit you can cut this out if you want but when you talk about you know when you talk about the spaces right and especially in in the work culture a lot of what the modalities a lot of the molds that we follow are based and rooted in white supremacy culture right Mm -hmm. and so that is the oppressive culture Mm -hmm. that is the go even if Mm -hmm. you are I, I just had this with my with my board I had a back spasm that was crippled me for days Mm -hmm. um and I was on a a call on a Sunday morning you know going through this and I had a a literal outburst of pain Mm -hmm. and I fought through I was like okay keep going you're Mm -hmm. you gotta finish this and they were like stop 
you are clearly in pain. <laughs> yeah. This is white supremacy at yep. play. Stop. Mm-hmm. Do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And and let's. And I'm blessed to work in companies like yep. that too. But also too, that was like even though I know and write white dominant culture, white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Like I I I do DEI work, so mm-hmm. I know that. Yeah. Like I'm still I still yeah. have to fight that. Right. We have to fight those systems of oppression that do come from white supremacy. And I know that that is a a controversial conversation, but it's really about the culture and how yeah. we, how it's been created. That yeah. comes in capitalism. That comes mm-hmm. in individualism. That comes in um, nationalism. You yeah. know, and the in the and what you're creating is community. What you're creating mm-hmm. is a different modality for people to function because we know that mental health is important. We know that when we yeah. support mental health in the workplace, in our communities, whether it's resources, um, money, funding, right, right? all right. of those things that our world becomes a better place. Yeah. When we center humanity, when you center people mm-hmm. within, in, in that space, um, the world becomes a better place. Yeah. And it seems like such a simple formula, but we need people like you in our community to continue to advocate, not just for yourself, right. because you've created a platform to advocate for other people, mm-hmm. to give people those tools and those resources, and just a space to, to talk and have conversations like we're doing. Right. And I know I appreciate that so much um, in, in my own mental health journey and being a part of the community and trying to advocate for marginalized communities. Um, and so I appreciate this time <laughs> with you. Is there anything, kind of a wrap-up or summary, and, you know, getting to know Gabriela, the face behind this, not just this podcast, but a, a movement in this time? You know, what is there any last kind of thoughts that yeah. you want to share? I think my main thing is, don't be afraid of vocabulary used. So many, so many issues and um, boundaries and walls and things are put up just by the initial sound of a word. So, for example, white supremacy, mm-hmm. racism, um, culture, money—like all of that stuff—it's it's immediately triggering. Um, so, I really, really want to encourage people to take a moment. And realize that what you're listening to does not have to immediately affect you. Like, you can take a moment, you can listen, you can process it, you can dissect it, you can make it your own, you know, do your own research, you know, talk to other people. Um, It does not mean that because, you know, we're using the word white supremacy or suicide or, you know, saying that I had a hard time finding the resources at my school it does not mean that I hate the whole school or that I think that everybody who is white is um, oppressing me Um, these are just definitive terms to kind of try to neatly package and deliver information that we do need to hear we do need to hear about it we do need to be aware about it and as we're reflecting on our communities and our businesses instead of reflecting and seeing how these um, predominantly white, huge companies that were built on oppressing people, not just minorities, but of lower financial uh, resources, how they built their companies, we need to go back and reflect to how our original communities Mm. built their societies and take that and echo that into our businesses. Mm. Um, Because no matter how far we are removed from our culture, that is what's going to call us back. So how was our, you know, like, I was born in Mexico City, like, how, before we were colonized, how were those cultures, how are, you know, the indigenous people from my land, how did they work? Um, How many indigenous communities do not have women at the forefront Mm -hmm. of their communities? 
um, that works. That still works. That's still proving to work. It's not a new thing. It's a new thing in the um, westernized in the westernized culture, modern right. culture. But I would urge everybody to take the information and reflect on it, and reflect on where you come from and how that really how to structure ourselves and our lives based on who we are, not on who we are trying to um, emanate because they're successful, um, because they're being successful by oppressing um, other people, themselves, their feelings, um, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like there's just a moment of reflection and learning to take information without being on the defensive. Because mm-hmm. you are your own person. There's nothing, you know, uh, you cannot... What was that Eleanor Roosevelt quote? Nobody can make you feel less without your, you know, mm-hmm. without Inferior, your permission. Yeah. Yep. So that's something that, you know, just it's okay. It's okay to listen to things that you're uncomfortable with. They It does not mean you have to do it or act. act or on react. It. Yeah, right? act or react. Like things are not them. black and white. And we love to react. I love mm-hmm. to react. All of us, mm-hmm. you know, love to react. But we need to process it before we do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Things are not black and white. Listen for mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. and not to respond. Mm-hmm. There are not, um, you know, there is complexity in thought and situations, mm-hmm. and right? And so mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say is that um, it's, it's a yes and, right? Like, yes, it was difficult to navigate the mm-hmm. university system, and I also found some support and help, right? right. So it's like yeah. these complex issues, which I think is just yeah. a greater, right, speak to, like, what's happening in society, mm-hmm. our country, everything, is that we have so much information, we process so, fa- mm-hmm. so fast, we want to react to things, yeah. and that even comes out with our own mental health, right? Like, like you said, okay, I have a problem, or I have something, well, I have to, I have yeah. to keep going, I have to move on to the next mm-hmm. thing, instead of sitting with ourselves, reflecting and understanding how do I feel, yeah. why do I feel, yeah those things and so it's slowing down and I hope that in this pandemic you know as I'm kind of reflecting on like mm-hmm. how I've been surviving because yeah. I haven't thrived just through just it I'm, I'm, just survi- I'm through a it. person that has survived through this I've not, I've not yeah. thrived um and maybe in some spaces and places right I have right but I think overall like I'm surviving and that's okay right because yeah. I'm that's what you got to do but I'm hoping that this time allows people to stop and process yeah. and just be right we just have to be with things sometimes and that and especially when we're listening to people's stories when we're trying to understand sometimes you have to sit with that and understand what are my mental modes that I'm operating on what are my implicit biases that I why am I reacting this way to what someone is saying whether it's a use of a word a phrase um, an experience that they're sharing right and kind of take that and reflect and not always respond to things right and I think it's also very important that we are aware and I definitely still to this day struggle with the fact that mental health is not the cold. It's not a cold. I don't have a flu. I can't just, I'm not going to get to a point where I'm just all better. Uh-huh. Um, you're going to improve, and then there's going to be days that are really shitty, and you're going to regress, and you're going to improve. And um, we have to keep in mind that we're not, we are solving and dealing with these mental health and society, societal issues Um not just from us, from our generation, but, you know, historically through all of our generations mm-hmm. before, all the way back, these problems are rooted all there. They are, they are um, trauma that has been held in our families 
four years. So this path is difficult, it's complicated. You are digging out wounds that are hundreds of years old that it's gonna take time to address and that our families are gonna um, resist because they were taught to ignore it so that they could produce or that they could function in a society that they needed to function in to survive um, so that we are addressing these issues because we have the privilege that our parents worked here. Yeah. They, our parents built, you know, they worked because they needed to survive, but now we are, they have created a space where we can do more than just survive. And that, to me, falls, the responsibility falls on us to be like, okay, I'm not just working to survive. I'm working to do other things. Yeah. You know, I don't have to just go, go to work all day, come home at 9 p.m., sleep for a couple hours and go back to work. Mm -hmm. I, there's more space because the people before me you know, did that work and I can come back and try to heal those generational traumas mm -hmm. um, from my family, from my culture, from my community. Like that's also something that we need to keep in mind. And, and with that, it means that it's gonna take a long time. It's gonna take a lot of support, yeah. a lot of work. And most importantly, we need to be very clear and vocal with what's happening with ourselves. And continue to have these types of conversations yeah. and, and create these spaces and I just thank you for creating this space, for sharing your journey. I know it's not always it's comfortable not. when we're used to helping yes. other people and having them, you know, in the forefront. But I think it's so important as a creator of this space, as you're curating this space and, and resources and conversations that people hear from you and the why. I'm a big why person, right? Yeah. Like why, why yeah. do you do yeah. that? Why, why? Um, and that's, and we're here, we heard your why today. And I think there's, uh, that's the, that's important, right? To continue to have these conversations. So I thank you for um, your grace with me and in, in, in your mental health journey. And, you know, we've had those conversations and the learning that has come from that. I thank you for creating this space, for having me on in my little Oprah moment here, um, but really in sharing your story because that's where it's, it's impactful and that's where people are going to feel like they have mm -hmm. a voice. They can create that space. They can have that support of um, the space that you've created in terms of mental health and, and supporting that. So thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. And yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I, I, I had to ask, um, I know I had to ask Vanessa, I know I had to record this video and I was like, please, Vanessa, please come help me because I hate talking about myself. I hate seeing myself on camera. Um, I would much rather sit here and talk about literally anything else. Um, but you're going to have to help me and get some outside. So I really do appreciate you stopping and taking a moment from all the craziness um, and doing this recording with me. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up. <laughs>